When I was a kid growing up in Jersey, uh, anybody who was a hoot or really funny or something, uh, we'd call him a riot. Ladies and gents, uh, this guy's a riot in more ways than one. Bob Dylan. show that celebrates the music of Bob Dylan, one song at a time. Proud member of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. I'm your host, the freewheeling Rob Kelly. Joining me this week to talk about the beautiful, the lovely song, Love Minus Zero, No Limit, from 1965's Bringing It All Back Home, is our pal, Daniel Budnick. Daniel, welcome back to Pod Dylan. Thank you, Rob. It's, it's lovely to be back chatting about Bob. Um, I'm really happy to have you back on. I really enjoyed our first episode, which is uh, the "You Ain't Going Nowhere" with all your crazy theories. Yeah. Uh, this, <laughs> this, this is as I said in the intro. This is a really beautiful, lovely little song. Uh, in terms of the the backstory behind it, is most people assume this is about uh, Dylan's wife Sarah, who he met right around this time, and he would go on to later marry that same year. This is this album was released in January of '65. He would uh, he would marry Sarah in November of '65, but he met her in late 1964. And basically, you know, in in less than three minutes, this is uh, accompanied by a really beautiful uh, melody. This yeah. is just about a guy singing about a a, a, a partner, a woman who brings a lot of peace to his crazy world. And uh, despite the sort of torrent of images, which is, uh, you know, uh, pretty much that was Bob Dylan, was what he was doing at this period in his life and his songwriting, mm-hmm. uh, the message is, is quite clear about what this woman brings to him and what and what she does for his life. And it's, it really is just a beautiful, lovely little song. And there's no malice or spite or it's just this person – is great for me, and this person does a lot for me, and it's 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 a beautiful little love song. What do you think about it, Daniel? Uh, that's that's actually the first thing I was going to say on my notes here. It's a beautiful little love song. So you guess, so we're on the same wavelength with that. I think um, I, I I I was listening this morning. I was comparing the um, the mono version versus the stereo version, mm-hmm. and actually I actually put a note here. Um, I, I don't know why I wrote this. I wrote MVS Dawn of Zimmerman. I don't know why I wrote that on my on my <laughs> my, my page here. I think I was going to ask you maybe later about mono versus stereo recordings for okay. him because I I prefer the stereo recording, which I can't actually I can't actually say that I I, I can't say that I say that much about rock from the that this time period. Mm-hmm. Because most of it was recorded for mono and then stereoed later, but there's something about I think there's like three the three guitars and the, there's sort of one in, in the stereo version. There's one in the middle, which is maybe Bob strumming, and then uh, when the when the drums kick in, the other two guitars are on either side, left side, right side, and they make kind of really a sort of a rich, beautiful sound. And the melody is great, and whereas a lot of sort of the stereo of the time period, you you get like sort of gaps in the sound, sort of where like drums and bass might be over here and guitar might be over on, on the other side and the vocals are in the middle. This is just kind of, it fits the stereo sound really beautifully. And it's almost the three guitars sort of kind of pick you up and kind of carry you along as Bob is just throwing out all these images and all these images all buoyed by this 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 woman or this this force that he just adores and that brings him the, the calmness and the peace 
uh, that he needs. Plus, it's got a great drum rhythm that isn't kind of irregular. It kind of goes like, Doom, d- d- I'm not. I'm going to get it wrong now. But uh, it's got a great. It's got, I thought, oh no, I can do this, and I thought, no, I need the song to do it. But it's it's just got it's a lovely arrangement, and which which seems strange considering like didn't he record three or four other songs in the same day? You know, and it, it, it's like the, the the songs were just flying out of him. But this yeah, is, this is like, yeah, this is absolutely one of his most fertile periods, and this is the beginning of. Uh, what would be sort of the triptych of bringing it all back home, Highway 61 Revisited and Blonde on Blonde, which most people consider, you know, the greatest three albums ever put out by anybody uh, all in a row. And they were all done within about 18 months, which is just yes. unbelievable. Uh, and I'm not going to argue that statement because uh, this is this is all tremendous stuff. And, you know, I said this song is, is you know, for all of uh, Dylan's fame as being, you know, like a – the, the truth attacks and the like a Rolling Stone uh-huh. where it was he's in your face and he's you know commenting railing against the you know all the things that are wrong with the world uh, you know people forget that there are little songs like this that are just yes. these little heartfelt I mean the opening the opening stanza is uh, my love she speaks like silence without ideals or violence she doesn't have to say she's faithful yet she's true like ice like fire people carry roses make promises by the hours my love she laughs like the flowers. Valentine's, Valentine's can't buy her. Can't buy her. I mean, yeah. it's like you, right there, you're set up with this. This is a very special person. Valentine's mm. can't buy her. You know, she's not easily fooled or impressed. Uh, and you have to think any woman that is with Bob Dylan is probably somebody of a fairly high, you know, grade. <laughs> this is not a yes. regular person that they're. Yeah. This is somebody that'd be able to keep up with Bob Dylan, sort of mentally and emotionally, and all those things. Mm-hmm. And there's the thought too, is where he's almost like, "My love, she speaks like silence without ideals or violence." Sort of, um, he, he he's sort of saying, "You know what? Uh, you know, I did all those protest songs. You heard the times that are they are changing. You you know, I that that's a crazy one for all the protests and everything. And and I just I, I'm with someone now who I don't need to yell like that anymore. Mm-hmm. I I don't need to I don't need to you know I I can just be with this person who is makes me happy." And who hopefully he, he's making her happy also without all the fist waving and the signs and the protests and all this other thing. This is someone I can go to where we can just ah, take a deep breath and, you know, um, watch the Beverly Hillbillies or something. I don't know. <laughs> that, that's an interesting image. Yeah, no, you're <laughs> absolutely right about that because in the very next verse, uh, he talks about, he says, in the dime stores and bus stations, people mm-hmm. talk of situations, read books, repeat quotations draw conclusions on the wall. Now, right about this time is when Dylan was, as you talk about, sort of moving away from the protest singer thing, and he was mm. moving into a different area, and he became very dismissive of that crowd. I mean, of course, yeah. in Positively 4th Street, he's practically sticking the knife <laughs> yeah. in their back. But, I mean, he became very disillusioned with that uh, with that protest crowd, as he liked to refer to it. And every time I see the thing about read books, repeat quotations, draw conclusions on the wall... I, I, all I can think about is sort of people that are railing against injustices but don't want to do anything about them. They just want to yes. complain. Draw conclusions yeah. on the wall is a very evocative image of, of yeah. you know, I'm, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be in my little coffee house down in the village, and I'm going to complain, but I'm not going to mm-hmm. do anything. And it, I can't, this is a weird uh, weird tangent, but you'll appreciate this probably because you're, <laughs> you're the king of tangents. But it's like when I, when I hear that line, draw conclusions on the wall, there's a scene in Monty Python's Life of Brian. <laughs> I assume you've seen that movie, yeah, right? Where, okay, you've got John Cleese, and they're the People's Front of Judea, or the Eugene yeah. People's Front, or whatever. And they're all, after Brian gets arrested, and they're all mm-hmm. meeting about what to do about it, and yeah. uh, the, one, the one female member comes in, and she's like, guys, 
Something's actually happening. <laughs> All we have to do is get up and go engage. And they're like, they're like, yeah, let's have a meeting about that. They're like, no, just, guys, stop talking and just get up. And they're like, okay, let's let's have a meeting about this. And, like, you're, you're, and she finally gets so frustrated, she just wanders off. And it's like that's what I hear when I hear draw conclusions on the wall. It's just Bob is sneering at these people that are kind of they you know they're not on the front lines they just want to complain about it and it's buried beneath it's buried inside this beautiful song about somebody else but just just that those two lines is such a really sort of yeah. casual toss-off to these people you know and then, and then followed by some speak of the future my love she speaks softly so i imagine she's i i imagine the people are speaking of the future are these loud people drawing on the walls yeah whereas he is he is with he is with this person who is is probably hopefully not thinking of the future and just just being in the moment with him, which uh, I suppose if you're constantly protesting for something to happen that may not happen, you 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 need someone there who can I don't know sit with you and watch Petticoat Junction. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Again with the. Uh, the, the <laughs> I'm trying to grab TV shows that would have been on. In, in the, for some the, reason, I don't know why Bob is so into all the rural stuff. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I imagine he might have liked Green Acres, but I don't know. Um, I'm, I, don't quote me on that. I think you've named all three shows yes, in that, I guy's, have. That, that guy's triptych of shows. <laughs> um, did, did I read this right? Or the, the song was originally called Dime Stores? Yes, apparently it was originally called Dime Stores. And there is a uh, an acoustic version because, of course, Bring It All Back Home is a split album, and that side one mm-hmm. is all uh, folk rock. It's electric, and then side two is all acoustic. And you, you were mentioning um, the, the melody here and the instrumentation. Yeah, this is a really beautiful. The lead guitar is played by Bruce Langhorn, uh, mm-hmm. who does a tremendous job. I said this is yeah. really just a very beautiful type song. And, uh, lyrically, it features one of uh, Dylan's best turn of phrases. She knows there's no success like failure, yeah. and that failure is no success at all, which is one of those things that is either gibberish or very, very deep. <laughs> It's yeah. one of the two. I, I what what I do is I I've I when I those when I sing when I'm hearing the song and I, I'm singing along it makes perfect sense when I look at like I'm looking at the words right now and I read the you know, she knows there's no success like failure and I'm thinking okay I got this under control and that's and that failure's no success at all somewhere in there I lose it yeah. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I thought I had it it's like it's it slipped away from me like a like a like a like a fish or something you're trying to grab. It just yeah. slipped out of your hands. And it's, it's, it's so, yeah, it's, 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 I, I feel like I, I'm 90% of the way to getting what those two lines mean, but it's that last 10% that's stymieing me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just sort of go with it. And yeah, as you're, as you're singing along to it, it sounds like it makes total sense. I, and I, I mentioned sort of the, the, it's a, it's a very, very buoyant song, sort of like, um, the, the song that came to me all is, was a series of dreams. Oh, the way, wow. The, the the way the 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 music behind it is so lovely and it just kind of pushes you on and then his lyrics just keep flowing and the melody is so great and it just you move and you move and it goes and you goes and you get to the you like you get to the final verse of love minus zero uh, no limit and you think I could listen to this for another ten minutes I could he could keep going Bob throw out some more verses yeah, we're right I mean, yeah, and this, this series thing, of dreams is like that too i'll take a few more dreams yeah this thing it, wraps up very quickly i mean again it's yeah. less than it's less than three minutes it ends it ends with the great i love this whole bit at the end he says the bridge of midnight trembles the country doctor rambles bankers needs to seek perfection expecting all the gifts that wise men bring which feels like such a sidelong glance at i guess probably a lot of the you know maybe rich people or or you know sort of highfalutin girls that he was running into who sort of expected he was again he's even when he's complimenting the woman he's speaking about 
by knocking somebody else. Which again, <laughs> as as we're, as we're as I'm saying it aloud, it makes the sound the song sound harsher yeah. than it really is. The performance is so gentle that mm-hmm. it even it feels more like a a gentle sort of chiding as opposed to a, a vicious mm-hmm. attack. If you read the words, it, it sounds a little. Uh, harder, and then it ends with said the wind howls like a hammer, the night blows cold and rainy. My love, she's like some raven at my window with a broken wing. And so, even after three and a half verses of talking about extolling the virtues of this woman, he then flips it, and it's the woman who is slightly damaged. She's mm-hmm. she's the raven with the broken wing, and he's the one who's bringing her in. So it's it's the song isn't just going on and on and on about how great this woman yeah. is. It's no, this is the balance we have. She's this great person. She does all these wonderful, wonderful things for me, but I do something for her too. She comes yes. a little damaged and I'm bringing something to her. And of course, if you want to, again, you want to read into it. Uh, Sarah, uh, at the time she was Sarah Lowndes. She was married to a, uh, a guy in the magazine business and he was like a magnate. And a, she was in the midst of a pretty ugly divorce when she met Dylan and it took oh, wow. a little while to extract herself from that relationship. <laughs> and so you could almost, you know, if you want to, you can say, well, that's what that's referring to, at least, is that she's not coming at this as a perfect being. And he's not seeing her as a perfect being. He's seeing her as slightly damaged, but that's okay because she does all these other things. She brings all this other stuff to the relationship. Yeah, I, my apologies. My wife just handed me a lovely cup of coffee while we were discussing Dylan. My, very, uh, very see, nice. see, there you go. There you go. I'll sing the song for her later on. Um, the, the the one thing, and and th- this is this is still on topic, but the banker's nieces seek perfection. I'm I'm. It's that that always banker's nieces. Is that? Do you think that's based on something, or is that just wordplay? Um, I if it's if it's based on something, I don't know what it is, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's you know he took it from some person that he met, and you know. And he seemed to be doing a lot of that. He was like yeah. a sponge at the time. And so th- well, he met someone who was a really, you know, la-ti-da person who was a, the niece of a banker and probably was pretty wealthy. And he probably just put that in his memory bank and out it came a couple, you know, in a song. One of the I, – because I, I have gone through it and kind of broken down what I think every line means. But I, th- I think at the end of the day, for, for me, I love the just the – the the stream of consciousness uh consciousness yeah stream <laughs> consciousness of the whole thing uh and i was i was going to just sort of relate it to um just sort of my own writing for a moment if 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 that's all right go right ahead um, because i was because obviously it's it's a song he's to me it's a song yeah it's a, it's a song either for sarah or it's a song maybe for sort of i don't know does does what bob thinks of his muse but so, possibly something like that could be that too uh, of course yeah um and there's and and to me, what it looks like is so he's he's sitting down there and he's he's pumping out all these songs. And there's there's something the the first side of bringing it all back home has the joyous feeling throughout. Like what is it in uh, Bob Dylan's hundred and eleventh dream? They start the song and then they all break into hysterics. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, where the, to, the band flubs and doesn't yeah. come in when they were supposed to, and they just left that part. And you hear producer Tom Wilson. Laughing, and he says, "Start again, start again." Okay, take two, and then they cut it yeah. to the song. Yeah, there's a feeling with side one of bringing it all back home that it's it's to me it's almost like um, Bob sort of uh, like, "Wow, why hadn't we done more of this?" You know, it's it's just the feeling of it's so much fun to listen to that side of music, and um, and sort of he's he's writing all these songs and he's doing all these things, and back. I, actually, there's two shorts, two short. Uh, stories about just just writing the woman I went out with many years ago who actually introduced me to my wife when we were 
together for a period of time. I what I would do. Um, I would be at work and I would write what I called my instant stories. I would write her whenever I knew that I was going to hang out with her in the evening. I would write her a short story that day and I would just start the day and I'd have nothing. I have maybe maybe a few words. I'd have a sentence in my head and I just free form throughout the day and I'd write a short story. And then I'd look at it at the end of the day, cross out little bits here and there, very little revision, and I'd read it to her. Wow. And then I, I wrote like 40 or 45 of these, and I put them together in a short story collection and gave them to friends and stuff. But they, they were specifically meant to be of, the, of and in the moment. And, um, and to, to connect to that, there's a few months after that, I was this, – this was the time period where I was writing a lot of scripts – and I had an agent, and I had a manager, and I was talking with some folks about how quickly you could write a script. Because we were talking about Ch- Charles Griffith, who wrote Little Shop of Horrors. I believe you know, so. He wrote, he wrote that in, like, no time at all. And I, I told them, I said, I can write a feature script in three days. And they said, no, you can't. And I said, yes, I can. I have Friday off. I will start. I'm not going to think about it, but I will 8 a.m., I will begin, and I will be done 8 a.m. Monday morning, and I will have a script. And I did write a script, and it was a it was an old dark house comedy, a la Cat in the Canary, old dark house. It was about a bunch of people going to a house in the middle of nowhere, all getting random invites. None of them know one another. There's a mad scientist. There's a killer gorilla. All all good times, <laughs> and it's very silly. And actually, I called it drivel because. I just thought that was a fun title for it. But it, it was about 93 pages long. And when I showed it to people, and this didn't even occur to me. I was writing it so quickly. It didn't even occur to me. I had the, the person I was going out with at the time, she, she came. I said, what did you think of it? And she said, I didn't like it. And I said, well, why not? And she said, because this character is obviously me. And this character is obviously whoever it was I'd gone out with before her. And this is obviously her. And I didn't like that you put me and her in the same th- and this character the hero is obviously you and i looked at it and i was like i didn't even think of that as i was writing because mm-hmm. you write so f- you write so fast and so all these images and all these things you 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 access as so so uh, what i what i'm getting at is that in love minus zero no limit and a lot of other of bob songs from this period but specifically this one because it does seem to be a a, a straightforward love song that because he's writing so quickly, I think he's accessing all these other, you know, he's pulling in the protest movement. He's pulling in the banker's nieces. At one point, he's the cloak and da- dagger dangles. And I have down here, the name is Zimmerman, Bob Zimmerman. Actually, I forgot what is, is that his real first name? I forgot. Yep, uh, yes. Yep. Robert Allen Zimmerman. Yep. And so I thought, so there he's bringing in like he just saw Thunderball or something like that. <laughs> you know, and it's like it, it, the joy of it is that he he's he I, it feels to me like, yeah, he's he's just bringing in. Every bit of his consciousness and just throwing down the random images, random words, and it's all – and because he's at the absolute top of his game, it's all working. It's all doing something. It all feels sort of organic even when those freaking banker's nieces are there and you're like, hmm, OK. I don't know what's going on with that. But, it, but there's something about the and, – and yeah, my, my stories were just meant to show that I think I get – not that I'm comparing myself to Bob. But I, 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 I get where he's coming from in this. When you write, you're writing at such a speed and you've got such a creative outpouring that there are times when you just access places in your mind and then you look at it later and go, wow, where'd that come from? Mm-hmm. Why, did, why did I write that? And that's what this feels like to me, a beautiful love song filled with all the sort of minutia of his mind and everything kind of hitting the page. And that's one of the reasons why I love it. Plus, it's catchy as hell. 
It is. It is very catchy. And uh, the last thing I can think of I wanted to mention in terms of uh, the, the song itself is there's a line in here about ceremonies of the horseman, which is a line that clearly stuck in the man's brain because he's used it later on. And it was uh, mm -hmm. that was the original title for his 1974 album, Planet Waves. It was oh, going wow. to be called Ceremonies of the Horseman, and then they changed it to Planet Waves. So that, that line obviously sort of has stuck with him. And it said there's, there's allusions here to the Bible and, of course, to Edgar yes. Allan Poe. I mean, it's, so that, that fits into what you're talking about. It really, he really was just grabbing things out of the air uh, and putting them into the, into the page. And sometimes it worked, like it does here. Other times, not mm -hmm. as much, and some of that stuff got left behind. But this is really a nice, perfectly you know, wonderful, beautiful little song. And unfortunately, it's not something he's returned to a lot. He's played it, again, I'm here I am on BobDillon.com, 365 times in the wow. last 50 years. That's not a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's, it's clearly not something that he really gets at. He played it once for the... Um, MTV Unplugged concert, which uh, that, that version is slower, and it's really very quite nice. It didn't make it onto the album, but, but it does exist there. So and it, it's appeared in various forms here and there. He has done it uh, on the Rolling Thunder review and on the uh, At Bodakin album, it's on there. But this is really the version to me. Is This is the one you really want to hear. Yeah. It really is just, just quite quite lovely. And, you know, again, the man is so famous for his anger and for his mm -hmm. you know finger-pointing songs, as I like to say. But when he's when he's being genuine and sweet, it really is quite powerful. And it's not mawkish or, or syrupy. Mm -hmm. It's just really nice. It's like, what a, what a lovely thing to have someone say this about you. It would be great to have someone yeah. say this about you privately, let alone yes. make it a song and put it on an album for other people to hear. It's just a, it's a, it's a lovely series of, of things to say. And then again, it's just the imagery is just uh, it's really just wonderful. One of the things that, that pulled me in when I, when I first bought Bring It All Back Home ages ago, one of the things I, I remember looking at the track listing, and I love when folks give song song titles are a bit odd. You know, like Rainy Day Women, you know, where like yeah, you right. hear. Which you know, he never, what, never what, actually says that in the song. Yeah, know, exactly. Yeah. I, I love when they, and I love the fact that this, you know, love minus zero, and it's supposed to be like a fraction. If I'm right, if oh, I'm, that's oh, thank God you mentioned that because I, I was going to forget that. This, uh, when, when, uh, when certain. Uh, instances where the Sony Music or Columbia Records is being expansive, they will print this song title the way it's meant to be printed, which as is as a fraction. Love mm -hmm. minus zero with a line, and beneath that no limit, which is of course yeah. a, a you know a mathematical equation. Now most of the time, nobody has the space for that or the sort of like, you know the, there's no way to actually do it. Like on, on, on BugDillon.com, it's just love minus zero, comma, no limit, or slash mm -hmm. no limit. Mm -hmm. But it's actually written to be, it's meant to be written as a mathematical phrase, which means infinite love. You're dividing yes. this thing, it is, it is infinite love. So I think, thank you, Daniel, for bringing that up. It's oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, I always, I'm, that's one of the things I love is whenever you, you, you come across, a, 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 and I, I hate to sound like an old man, but, you know, a rock song <laughs> with, a, with, a, with a title that's a little bit weird, where, like, it, it either doesn't, what's, what's the, uh, the Clash song, uh, Train in Vain? Yeah. Uh, where you, you, you see that title and you think, I, I, you know, I know all the Clash songs. What, what is Train in Vain? And then you hear it and you go, oh, it's this song. Yeah, it's that Okay. One, yeah. yeah. So, so there's something about fun. To, I don't know if Bob invented that. I was going to say maybe Frank Zappa did, but uh, it's still a year till Freak Out, I think. <laughs> so with like this Return of the Son of Monster Magnet and stuff like that. May, may I ask one more, more, more thing about this is just sort of a general. Bob, this is regarding the MVS Donna Zimmerman from earlier. All right, sure, go ahead. Do, do you prefer the mono recordings from this time period or the stereo? 
I tend to like the mono ones actually. I sort of like all the sound, all the the things in the same channel. Uh, it's just yeah. a weird. Part. I I find stereo stuff to be distracting. That I'm hearing mm. it on this side or that side. Uh, Amy Mann, who I like, has done a bit of that, and I always just find it a little like it just it just takes me out of the song a little. So I I tend to to like the mono stuff better. Okay. Yeah, I think for the the early earliest albums, I prefer the mono for some reason. Um, like I said earlier, love minus zero slash no limit over no limit, I guess is what it is. <laughs> it's a fraction. Um, I prefer the stereo version of that. Cause I like the three guitars separated mm-hmm. to give, to give it like almost like, like it's a bird, you know, and then Bob's in the center and the wings or something like that. I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't mean to make Bob into a bird, but that's, that's sort of like, you know, my feeling there. But I, I, I know at a lot of the, the, the time period, you like the, the who sings my generation was mono only. And Pet Sounds the next year was mono only, and so um, yeah, I was I was finding interesting to to hear. I think it's the the Beatles stuff, like the early Beatles stuff, that suffers the most from stereo. Mm-hmm. Like I think it's um, one of the first times I remember hearing "Can't Buy Me Love." I heard it in a car where one of the speakers was out. Oh, it was, right, right. All it of a sudden, a, yeah. It's a it was song, the stereo yeah. version. And if you hear the stereo version of Can't Buy Me Love, it's like one side is almost all the instruments and singing. The other side is instruments and basically like the hi-hat. Mm-hmm. So you just hear, Can't Buy Me Love. <laughs> and I'm like, what the freak is this? This is, what is this? And then someone was like, "No, the the other side of the stereo is out." So it's a, uh, I know this that's a little uh, again a tangent, but um, I did I did want because I I just recently got the mono recordings, so I was I was um I was absorbing them, and I just want to know your thoughts. Yeah, no, that's happened to me with with this very song because I sometimes listen to things with just one ear earbud in because I'm I'm. I want to hear something else that's going on. And this song sounds different when you hear the stereo and you're like, wait, mm-hmm. the, the, the guitar sort of drops out a little. And so, yeah, yeah. I like the mono. I mean, you really do get a sense of place of, of, of the sort of recording studio that Bob, I mean, I've done some reading yeah. about what it was like to record with him and stuff like that. So you really, you, even though you don't ever hear anybody else singing on a Dylan record, uh, you get the sense of the room. You know, of these yes. other guys that are in the room with them and stuff. And the, I think there's I think there's exactly one example of a song from this period that was recorded with some backup singers, which is an alternate version of Tombstone Blues that he did with the Chambers uh-huh. Brothers, which is really quite interesting to listen to. But it, it just sounds weird because you're not used to yeah, it. I mean, sure. uh, you know, these songs are so Dylan specific. And when you hear another voice come in, it's just like, what? What is, <laughs> yeah. what is going on? But uh, anyway, so, yeah, Love Minus Zero. No limit. It's just a beautiful song yes. that is on bringing it all back home, and it's just a, a great little thing. So, so Daniel, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. Of this course, is a great song. So, uh, where can course. people find you on the internet? All right, um, I have a site where my writing is is some Polish American guy reviews things. That's Polish American guy reviews uh, If you want to find some of my horror writing, you can go on bleedingskull.com and type in Dan Budnick. Um, I have, I'm on several podcasts, one called podcast mania, which is horror related one called made the made for TV mayhem show, which is made for TV movie related. And one called eventually super train, which is about short lived TV shows. And yeah, I'm on Facebook under Daniel Budnick. Uh, my Twitter handle is Danny slacks one. I'm all over the place. Well, not. Not as much as some folks, but uh, I, I, I get around. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, you do. Uh, yeah, if you can, you want to follow our show? It's uh, over on Twitter at pod underscore Dylan, and of course, you can find all the episodes of this show and all the other shows on the network over on fireandwaterpodcast.com. So, Daniel, thank you so much for coming on to talk about this. I love this song, and it's great to talk. Yeah, about. thank, thank you, Rob. Thank you. 
All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And until next week, uh, we'll see you later. Bye. The bridge at midnight trembles. The country doctor rambles. Bankers' nieces seek perfection, expecting all the gifts that wise men bring. The wind howls like a hammer. The night goes rainy. My love, she's like some raven at my window with a broken wing. <laughs>